Hey, I am talking to none other than Phil Hurley, singer, songwriter, musician, guitar player, extraordinaire. Um, he and I met, I think it was the 90s, eh? Yes. You know, when you were at Emerald City Guitars, yeah. And uh, I just liked you right off the bat. You're you're a nice guy. You're, I mean, you're a great player. You just fit in right away. And I remember just going down there. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I mean, I helped Jay start it and I was working yeah. the web stuff and yeah, and you came down there, and and you, I, I you know, you just immediately fit in, and and so yeah, I, I thought it was so cool, and and we haven't talked in like you said a long time, so yeah. But the the impetus for this is you know I've I've followed your career, and uh, which we'll talk about um, shortly, yeah. um, and but you know, and then I was kind of anticipating this you know uh, latest release of yours, yeah. Stay Gold, um, and it finally came out, and I listened to it, and I was just I thought it was so cool. I, I just said, dude, you have to come on and talk to me and, and we need to promote this and, and just talk and catch up. So I love it. Yeah. So first of all, I want you to talk about your career because it's pretty cool and impressive. And I, I mean, you've you've worked with some cool people and you've done a lot of stuff uh, as a guitar player and singer songwriter. So give me the, you know, the rundown of of kind of, you know, the short version yeah, of your career so we can set things up. Road, that's for sure. But you know, I'm the youngest of a big family and there was always a lot of music in my family. And uh, once my, my older brother, who's five years older than I am, once he uh -huh. got a bass, um, and I think he was 13, I was eight, and he didn't want his eight-year-old brother in his band, but I could <laughs> sing in tune. So we started playing together. Literally, I, I think the first time we played, I was eight or nine years old. Um, so I was just singing at the time. And then by the time, you know, we just, we both um, had bands all the way through high school. And then by the time I was a senior in high school and he was a senior in college, we started an original band called Gigolo Ants, where we were only playing. And in our hometown, there were no original bands. It was only cover bands. So Crazy. we really kind of shook people up by insisting that we played our own music. And uh, we became kind of a, a small, a big fish in a small pond in yeah. Potsdam, New York, up on the Canadian border of New York State. And we were brazen enough to uh, to take a chance. Like I, I, we moved to Boston when I was 17 years old, and uh, by just sheer folly, a friend got us a gig in New York City, opening for Soul Asylum. Very cool. Uh, and we got a record deal. Damn. So uh, suddenly we were on a cool label called Coyote Twin Tone that had, you know, they had just, the Twin Tone part had just sold off the replacements, but they still had Solo Sound. Oh, got it. Yeah. The Jayhawks. And on the on the Coyote side, they had Yola Tango and the Feelies and cool man. So we made our first record in Hoboken, New Jersey and, uh, and just never really stopped. I mean, there was, there was ups and downs, but from that we ended up getting an English deal and the English deal ended up getting signed to RCA records. And we ended up getting to go all around the world. And we, you know, had the same managers, Nirvana and uh, so on cool. MTV and Conan O'Brien and all that stuff. And I did it. I did it for as long as I could. I did it for about 10 years. And then yeah. finally, uh, after about 10 years, I realized I was never going to catch up with those guys. As far as age, I was always going to be the little uh. kid. Always Got gonna it. be five years younger than them. And kind of like maybe what George Harrison went through. You know, I had songs of my own that I wanted to sing and I had things of my own, but there really wasn't room for me to express who I was. Yeah. And so I and also there was a girl involved, of course. But <laughs> I split and moved to Seattle. Oh, the, so that's when the Seattle Yeah, thing. that cool. that was when I uh, in ninety-five, I guess, you know, 90, very cool. Yeah, beginning of ninety-five. And uh -huh. I really meant to then 
entrenched myself into the Seattle music scene. But right after I got there, I got a call. There was a girl that I had known in Boston who was starting to get a bunch of traction, whose name was Tracy Bonham. And I got asked to go out on the road with her for three weeks. And three weeks ended up being a couple of years. She exploded. And, you know, she became a real one hit wonder uh, darling of MTV. And so we got to, again, I got to go all around the world with her, which was, was amazing. Um, And then really I had had enough. I mean, I was all of 27 or something, but I had been on the road then, you know, for about seven or eight years straight. And yeah. so I really enjoyed when I finally got to just settle down in Seattle. Uh, I had moved to a, a kind of a hippie house in the university or over in the international district. Yeah. And I found Emerald City Guitars. And I, awesome. I practiced my speech. I, heard <laughs> I, I, I talked to myself. I, went, uh, I got a moment alone with Jay. And I was like, look, I'm in a unique situation where I've got money in the bank right now. I don't really need a job, but I really want to work for you. And that's Jay was so like, cool on a board and so yeah i was delighted to be you know uh with that first cast of yeah you know chris klein and john croft and uh, uh i'm trying to think who else was there henry cooper oh uh, dude, just henry. cool folks you know and, yeah uh, yeah and i love that whole you know playing around the corner at the okay hotel and yeah. uh, you know just digging in and finally getting to be part of seattle and it took a while i mean i think you know better than i but so many people had moved to that town yeah and trying to ingratiate themselves that uh, the the reception was a little frosty at first. Interesting. They were like, even though I had success, people were like, "Take take a number, bro." You know, uh, yeah. and I- it was really uh, it took. I was meeting my friend Gavin Gus, who finally he had known everybody. So suddenly, I got to meet. Chris Ballou and I met, you know, Mike Musburger and all, you know, like folks who started really helping me integrate into the musical community there. That's so cool. Um, I loved my Seattle time. I I only left, I had an opportunity to move to Amsterdam and I couldn't say no, but uh, I really, that, that chapter, I was there for seven years. That chapter was a really important chapter for me. I really, I loved being in Seattle. That's so awesome. So, well then after the Tracy Bonham thing, what, uh, so yeah, yeah, how long were you in Seattle? How long did you stay in Seattle until you kind of seven years? Okay, seven years. Yeah, and while I was there, I did some touring um, with an English friend of mine named Miles Hunt from the Wonder Stuff. I also went to Australia and Japan with the Fountains of Wayne. That's um, and I had I I was in that band Shuggy with Andrew McKay. Oh right, right. And And then you did do a stint with um uh well the President's dude with the Tycoons. Yeah, Chris Ballou. Yeah, 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 Chris Ballou. Tycoons. It was a lot of fun. That's and so I had cool. a real sleazy band with some of the dudes from uh, Green Apple Quickstep called the Hula Bees. And man, the Hula Bees, I'll send you some of that stuff. Like, yeah, I'd love to hear it, man. Too much attention on Seattle at that point. But in another place or time, that band could have been, it was like stonesy and sleazy and very cool. And really, that was a good band. Uh, a bunch of coal from Sweetwater and just a bunch of cool cats. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I look back, you know, people talk about, Nashville or Austin or LA or whatever. But I look back at the musicians that I played with and the music that I played in Seattle is some of the high watermark stuff I ever did. I, I, That's I great. That, you know, none of us were getting to make any money, but yeah, <laughs> but it sure yeah. was fun. That's awesome. Well, it's cool yeah. to know that, um, yeah, Seattle was kind of a, well, I mean, yeah, it became this hotbed because of all the shit that was happening with grunge and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's cool to hear that, um, yeah, we had some top caliber musicians. I mean, yeah, I've known that. I mean, I've lived here all my life. So, I mean, I've, there've always been great musicians, but I think the convergence of all that stuff and people coming here from all over the world, literally. Um, yeah. yeah. A lot of great players uh, migrated to this region. The but. thing I saw too in Seattle, at least when I was there, that was so yeah. cool is that it was like a perfect ecosystem. Like you had 
this great radio station and you know KEXP that oh, actually yeah. played local bands. Yeah. There were local labels signing local bands. Yeah. Locally owned record stores that sold those local records that got yep. played on the radio. Yep. The kids could hear the local bands on the radio, buy their record in a local store, and go see them in a local club. And it like totally. it all fed into each other. And things could happen fast. Yeah. I remember things like, you know, the Western State Hurricanes or like, yeah. you know, like bands could like like overnight they could be like the new thing and like yeah. it's really hard to do that now it's hard to like yeah. get above the the noise i mean i i love the equilibrium of the internet because everything's available to everybody but it sure is hard to differentiate yourself these days you well know? it's a double-edged sword right i mean you you can have reach like never before but by the same right. token you're you're a, a needle in a haystack you know so yeah. you have to yeah. figure out a way to surface somehow but yeah. yeah um so just to finish my story so yeah Left Seattle, moved to Amsterdam with high hopes of having that be home, and it all came crashing down <laughs> in flames and fireworks. As it does. And, uh, in L.A., which I really didn't ever mean to end up in L.A., um, but I did good things. Um, you know, I, did, I was in the original cast of the musical Rock of Ages, and I so cool. wrote the theme song for the Lucky Louie show for Louis C.K. And uh, I did, you know, I made a lot of good music while I was there. But uh, I ended up form, forming a really good country rock singing band called Stone Honey. I and remember Stone Honey got a big record deal, and it looked like things were going to really happen for Stone Honey. And we ended up moving that band to Nashville for a little while, and we had a big name producer backing it. And as things do in the industry it went from rags to rags what a trip uh, man so it all kind of fell apart but we we gave it a you know the 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 real you know team spirit try but unfortunately it didn't work the way we had hoped it would but it landed me in austin texas and i've been now in austin for 15 years um i did a band i ended up playing with a a musical legend down here, a guy named Jimmy LaFave, who's a wonderful singer-songwriter. I played with him for a few years. So and I cool. started kind of a super group thing on the side that, that was really supposed to just be a fun side project. We were moonlighting because we yeah. were other bands. We became the South Austin Moonlighters. And I did that for 10 years. And we made a bunch of records. And we were playing 160, 180 shows a year. Really working. That's so um, cool. And I love those guys. They're great. But uh, as COVID hit, I started writing a bunch of new material. I started really learning how to record at home. Yeah. And I realized after, you know, uh, this many years of being in bands, maybe it was time to start something of my own. That's, and that's cool. when I started my own thing. And I put out, I put out, well, gosh, I've got four records out now. Yeah. yeah. I love that, man. I, yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember when you guys blew through Seattle and Stone Honey, and I think yeah. everybody was just blown away. The harmonies, it was an the, amazing band. the guitar playing uh, you were doing. And yeah, it was uh, a great band. And, um, but I, I've always been struck just by your, A, your work ethic, but also just your kind of indomitable spirit, you know? I mean, I'm sure you had moments where, you you know, you you were low and things like that, but you always seem to, like, try to focus on the next thing. And like you said, I mean, I, I think it, you've always probably had a burning desire, like you're saying, from the Gigolo Ant days to do your own thing and to express yourself in your own way. So I think it's cool now that you're finally getting to do that. And like you said, you got four albums um, yeah, yeah, that's so cool. It's, I love that. It's been a real learning curve because I mean, it makes me realize that. Uh, I mean, I definitely, as much as I did contribute and did my best to be, you know, a, a factor in other bands, I did always let other people run the business. Um, I it. just, I was never that guy at the end of the night having to settle up. I was never that guy having to order the merch. Or, right. I, I never had to be the booking guy too. And man, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's just I. I, it's such a full-time job right now because I'm yeah. I'm my social media coordinator. I'm my management. I'm my booking agent. Yeah. I'm my, I'm, and then sometimes I'm like, I got to write music. You know, <laughs> it's hard to remember how to do. And also, you know, just the reality now, I've got a great band. I love the dudes I'm playing with. That's but so cool. 
they got to get paid. You know, well, you're, yeah, you're the guy. Yeah. When yeah. we were young, we were all in a van and it was like, if, if, you know, if there was money at the end, that was a bonus, but we were just yeah. in, we were in a band. Yeah. And it's not that way now. And you want to hire the good dudes, you know, uh, at the end of the night, if, if I didn't make enough at the door, I got to cover it out of my own bank account, you know, which thankfully isn't happening. Often, That's good. That's good. I, I love the dudes I'm playing with, but yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a lesson in, um, you know, I'm, I'm the definition of a working musician. I mean, I think I played five gigs last week. I'm probably playing five gigs this week. I, and I do solo acoustic stuff. I do, sideman stuff for other people i have my own group i also have a trio with my wife and nick from stone honey and i, I just uh, i'm just working you know i'm just uh i do everything from like going out and play playing hank williams songs at senior centers to you know to playing the continental club in front of a sold-out crowd on friday you know, it's like there's a lot of variety in what i do um but uh but you know all i've ever wanted to do is play music and that's one of the things i'm grateful for uh about moving to texas is that in la i was working all day at a great guitar shop but i was yeah. working all day just to be able to play at night because the cost of living was so high yeah um, and it, it's crept up here significantly too but i'm I'm grateful that i've got enough of a uh, rotation of, of places that i can play that i, I can just you know it's, it's still my living and it, I, I work my tail off but at least i'm making a living playing music but I love that. I mean, that that's that's one of the things I love about you, and that, and that I've followed you um, all over these these years because you are a working musician and you dedicated yourself to it and made a found a way to make it work. And it's got to be yeah. hard, especially nowadays. But yeah. I my hats off to artists that do that because you know when we're young we have these visions of what what success means or what it means to make it. You know, and it's always bullshit. You know, but. Right. But, you know, making it to me is, I mean, because it's hard to have a day job in so yeah. many ways, emotionally, intellectually, you know, soul sucking. Yeah. I mean, you know, so if you can, if you can be a musician and make a living and pay your bills and shit, and yes, it's hard. It sounds, you know, I'm, I mean, it's harder than shit, but fuck how cool. And, and, and that's yeah. kind of part of it. And hopefully you get a chance every now and then to sit back and go, you know, I'm doing, I am, this is my success. This is, yeah. this is what I always wanted to do. And I'm doing it. And yeah, 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 man. I I just played again last night with my band, and and uh, it's just such a good band. Uh, actually, I stole cool. a, a Seattle drummer. I, I didn't know Pete when we lived in Seattle, but uh -huh. I have a drummer whose name is Pete Langhans, who was really part of the the Pioneer Square uh, scene. He was a oh, really very cool. serious blues drummer. And uh, but also I met him. He was playing in a band down here called the Mother Truckers. Who, when I moved to town, they were the oh, yeah. hottest band in town. Um, but yeah, it's kind of fun to have a little Northwest connection. But and my my bass player Davey Michelle um, is a Brooklyn boy. But he 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 you know his earliest gigs he played with Etta James. He played Damn. with John Lee Hooker. Oh, man. Uh, he played with Patti Smith. You know, he played with some really heavy cats, and he just brings it. And then I found you know I, my job for the longest time was to be that second like the lead guitar player to songwriters yeah. and, and there's an art to that there's an art to like yeah. if they're playing the cowboy chords how do you work around their inversions and play the tasty stuff i've never had anyone do that for me and i found this tall handsome guitar player out in my new town of bastrop his name is ben zinniga and the kid is a phenom he's like he's such a tasteful guitar player i don't have to tell him anything all his tone choices all of his licks i just let him go that's and so it's cool like, he just crushes. So like I do, I, I have moments when, uh, when I really get to kind of take my hands off the wheel and just listen to what I've built now. And I'm, I'm blown away. I just, I love the cats I'm playing with. And, and, so I, cool. and I, and I, you know, I, I have that, um, like I woke up yesterday morning and I was like, I get to play. And it's like, there's still that, that like fun, like, you know, like I still, I, I get nervous sometimes again. And it's like, I haven't felt that in a long time. And it's, it's not nervous because I'm not, sure that we're going to be able to deliver the goods it's nervous because yeah. it's like it's exciting still. yeah 
Yeah, yeah I was going to ask you about that, but that's what I love about it. It seems like you still love to play. And that's that's another thing, too, as we get older, as you know, it's just hard, especially with all the shit you got to do now, all the hats yeah. you have to wear. But yeah. that's that's so cool to hear that you still love playing and you still look I forward do. to the game. You know, and, and I, you know, I spoil myself. Part of what keeps it fun for me is, you know, we're both guitar nerds. Yeah. And over the years, I've kind of surrounded myself with the tools that continue to inspire. Oh, so man. Like, I had, a couple of years ago, I had had the same when I, when Jiggle went signed to RCA, I got a really cool J200. It was a Rosewood J200, which is very a, cool and for years and years and years. I had it for 27 years. Anytime I played it, it was like, this is my acoustic. And like, I, you know, I never had anything with better it. And a couple of years ago, I got to play a Collings D1A and I was like, sorry, Gibson. And I sold it. And which, you know, it's always a risk when you have something custom made for you. Cause yeah. you, you know, you, you played that used one in a shop that was a good one, but is the one they're going to build for you going to be that good? Yeah. And uh, man, and I got such a special great, uh, every time I get to do an acoustic show, it's like, it's like a present. Like every time I open yeah. the case, I'm like, oh get to play this it's well callings is they're the shit i mean i've seen it's, several callings come through the shop and played them and they're amazing guitars and it really, they like yeah, yeah so it's yeah maybe a better guitar player like that's, that's all so you can awesome. hope for is that an instrument like shakes you to another level yeah and uh, and, I, and i've been playing with options like you know how it is like different bands like stone honey was definitely about a telecaster the moon yeah. letters for me was about a 335 with my own thing i've been kind of trying to figure out what it is i've been playing a, an old firebird with p90s for a lot of it but uh, i have been having kind of fun exploring it and exploring as we mentioned <laughs> <laughs> dude that like, thing's i i love the fact that you put a bigsby on that damn thing i do too god it damn works. it it actually really feels good. It kind of lets you do the Neil Young wiggle, you know. Well, the thing I love about those guitars is it's just so much fucking mahogany, but it sits on your body pretty freaking um, balanced, and it's not too heavy. Yes. I don't know. The, the and the, the hockey stick, easy. the hockey stick uh, headstock is funky yeah. because it it's just it's it's its own thing. And I kind really I'm kind of digging yeah. playing them. Yeah, out of the blue, a couple years ago, a friend Dude, I from love that. Emerald City Guitars. Yeah, there was a cat I knew who just said like, "You need this strap," and he sent me this crazy space girl I leather love that, strap, dude. and it's wide enough and thick enough and padded enough that it, it uh, helps offset you know oh, the, the heft of this because this is this one. It's a 2011, and it is not light. Yeah, well, I but I I love that too because I mean some of my favorite guitar players. I mean. As you and I know, there are guitar players that you can identify a guitar with that player. Yeah. But I also love the guitar players that played several different guitars. And yeah, it's just I part love, of their their arsenal, you know. And I, and, I, and I love too showing that, like, I love showing up for a country gig with a V. And, yeah, and dude. The, the guitar doesn't, it's the player that tells shows you what the guitar can do, you know. Exactly. Well, look at, you know, they're not limited. You know, the no. guitars are just tools, you know. So well, I like, yeah, I, that's what I love too. Because a V is basically like a junior with humbuckers. It's just a yeah. slab of. I mean, it's a thin slab of mahogany yeah. with the mahogany. I've got a V two, and I, I'm a yeah. I'm a total V head. Yeah, um, I have a V with a big V. It actually oh, matches. I love that. <laughs> Lonnie so, Mac, man. Yeah. yeah, I love and that shit. I've been having fun too. Like, I, uh, there's there's a. I wish when I first moved from Austin out to this little town called Bastrop, there was a uh -huh. cool little music store. And if I had had my ducks in a row, the guy was selling it right when I moved to town and I should have swept it up and grabbed it. But another guy had kind of grabbed it before me. And he's a sweet, sweet guy. He doesn't, you know, I learned from guys like Jay Boone that like vibe, you know, like yeah. you, you can have stuff on the walls, but what's, what's the vibe of the shop? You know, exactly. Like, it's got to have some voodoo. It's got to have some sauce, like totally the best stores you walk into and you, they become like that place you can't wait to get back to. Like, exactly. I, I you, like when I first found Emerald city, I went every day for a week. I, I love was, that so much, man. Wow. 
yeah. this is what I've been looking for, you know? So I was really hoping to steal that store and try and create a little thing like that. And yeah. so the, the, the guy who got it is a nice dude. And I'm glad that he kept a cool guitar store here, but it's not exactly vibey. And so yeah. I check in every couple of months just to say, Hey, and I went in a, a few weeks, well, last year sometime. And I was like, what's that? And there's a, <laughs> a blackface Princeton reverb. Like oh. there was, dead stock, the original, you know, two prong on it still. And I always wanted the big amps. I always wanted the basements and the marshals and, you know, um, but it, 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 it is funny. I like, talking just how tone inspires. I bought this little Princeton for a good price and I've been playing that and a tweed deluxe in stereo. Oh, and dude. my Lord, just like kind of putting one on either side of the drum set and just getting this, I've got my delays and my reverbs in stereo now. And it's just like a weather system. It sounds That's so awesome, cool. man. Yeah. It's been fun. And you know, you're not hurting anybody because it's, 12 watts yeah. amps, you know, so you can actually kind of turn yeah. them up. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've only, I've recognized that after this many years of like playing two Marshall half stacks, I, I have a limited number of years of actual hearing left. You know? I'm yeah. I'm surprised too. I mean, I, you know, we, there's obvious hearing loss, but I, it's not, yeah. I, you know, it's not as bad as I always thought it would be because yeah. I'm the same way. I played with a Marshall half stack most of my, oh, you know, yeah. when I was young. And well, the thing I dug about you too, is that you, you've acquired gear since you were young that is fucking the gear to have yeah. and you've kept it and like you know i talked to chris chris klein you know, yeah. you know all the time and we talk about you know selling gear as you do and going on this ill-fated quest only to realize you had the shit to begin with yeah. you know so that's what i always yeah. dug about you too is that you have this cool um uh collection of gear that you've had like your first telly man was yeah. is a fucking cool guitar and so i've always dug that about you um but yeah, I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but I mean, how do you see gear? Do you, do, is it precious to you or is it just a tool or because Chris and I were watching Get Back, uh, the Beatles doc. Have you watched that? I loved it. Oh, dude, it's and insane. Just, the Beatles couldn't afford a guitar they're just, stand. They're just leaning shit up against the, I mean, and like you, there's one scene where George's a red Les Paul is sliding off the stage and it's like, fuck. And so he and I just got a kick out of that. It's like, you know, they were just tools to these guys. They weren't precious about this shit. And obviously there was no vintage market back then really right. to speak of, but, um, to, so how do you view gear? I mean, do you, are, are there pieces that you will never, you'll, you'll be buried with essentially or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have let some really good things go and there, there are ones that I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, you know, you know uh, you know. And, and I've had them come back to bite me in the butt. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certain things like uh, back, I, I mentioned when I played with Tracy Bonham, uh, we were playing, it was the first time I had ever gone to New Orleans. And uh, there was this very not cool music store. It was like sheet music and like reeds for a saxophone and dudes in a tie. It was like Mork and Mindy or something. You know? <laughs> and on this shelf of nothing guitars, I was like, oh my God. And there was a first year Les Paul, a, a gold wow. top. Um, and uh, the, it turns out they had told me at least that it had belonged to Guitar Slim, who wrote things that I used to do. And uh, and that guitar to me, it's like it's just every time I open the case, I'm like, I mean, it's older than rock and roll, you know. Yeah. And it's like, how did I end up with this? And you know, in the world of Les Pauls, it's not one of the super expensive ones, um, but I love it. And like, yeah. and I'll take I I gig it. And uh, that's people, so like, cool. Are you crazy, you're gonna bring that guitar on play? I'm like. Have you heard this thing? Like you got well, to That's what it's like, for it's, too. It's one of the best sounding instruments I've ever owned. And there's yeah. no way it's just going to sit at home. I mean, I love and it. I, and I, you know, I don't, the thing I, I'm, I don't make a big deal on stage about telling people, like, Hey, by the way, steal this. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you just, most people don't 
even look at your guitar. Yeah. And I, you know, I keep them close. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm smart with them. I don't like leave shit leaving around or laying around. Yeah. Um, but my, you know, I, my rig, I laugh at myself, you know, this is such a, a Texas guitarist thing. Like I'll, I'll be loading up my car and I'm realizing I'm bringing $30,000 worth of gear to go make a hundred dollars at a taco joint, you know, but I've got it. And I love it. I love it, dude. Like, you know? I love so, it. Well, and that's what they're for. And, and yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've, that's my philosophy too. If you're going to buy vintage gear, play it, you know, yeah. take it and play yeah. If you're a musician, play it. And yeah, you're taking a risk and, but who gives a fuck? Because it, that's what it's for. And, and if, and again, like you're saying, you know, yeah, you're playing a hundred dollar gig with 30 grand worth of gear, but it inspires you and people come to that show yeah. and they're going to see you just on all cylinders because you're, yes. you've got this gear around you that inspires you and it sounds great. And that, that's yeah. what it's all and, about. You know, I, I will say that. I'm also making my peace with some of the the, uh, the you know advancements. Like uh, my dear friend, Dan Cohen, who was my housemate when I lived in Seattle, mm -hmm. um, he works for Universal Audio. And he's, oh. he's uh, been able to kind of slide me some things. And it's like, dude, you kind of need to check this out. And um, some of the some of the software stuff that I've heard, um, there's one, I have a, uh, what they call the Apollo Twin as my interface for recording. Oh, cool. And uh, there's all these amp simulations and rack gear simulations all that kind of stuff and most of them i'm hit or miss on but there's one that's a, a friedman amplifier uh that's called the buxom betty uh, i've never seen a buxom betty for real I'm, but I'm, I'm telling you i've done a, i've done a lot of recording with this thing where people are just like you know producers and artists are like dude what is that tone what is that that's tone? awesome I, you know i could lie and tell them oh yeah that dude that's my 53 deluxe in the bathroom it's that friedman and like it it's inspiring and that's to me it's like good tone inspires you know yeah, and i yeah. don't really care where it comes from and so you know, i'm using that on stuff because it sounds great you yeah know? and it, it uh it interacts with the guitar it cleans up the way a real amp does and it's like so i'm not afraid you know i i love old gear and i still will mic up my tweed and put it in the bathroom and i'm got it sitting next to an ampeg v15 and like i like all the old stuff and i use all the old stuff but yeah I, for the recording of my last two records what we've been able to do is um my, my drummer built our space. And uh, so, you know, we used to be, and, and you know, like it used to be you spent all of your money recording. Oh, but yes. now I've got the stuff. I love uh, it. So what we've done is gone in uh, to his rehearsal space and put up seven or eight drum mics and made sure we get a really good drum sound. And then I've used uh, the U Universal Audio Oxbox. Are you aware of those things? No, I think I've heard about them. They're yeah. game changers. So... It, it does work like an old Schultz Rockman as an attenuator. I don't oh, got use it. that function of it. I yeah. know people who do. But what I like is it, it, it. I'll take an old basement or a Marshall or whatever amp you want. Because yeah. I've got all the amps. I don't need emulations of the amps. Right. I've got the real amps. Yeah. You plug directly into this aux box and then it gives... It's essentially like you're in a cool studio. So you can choose what speaker ah. you want. Oh, right. Band, and placement, 12, or speaker pla or mic and placement, all that other shit. Mic combinations. Yeah. You can choose how much room ambience and stuff. So both my other guitar player, Ben, and I used aux boxes. So our basic tones were crushing. You know, he was playing a Marshall and I was playing a Bassman. The sound and feel exactly like our amps. And for the bass, I think we used, I used like a, like a, an actual, uh, universal audio tube driven la 2a with a 610 preamp you know just uh -huh. so the you know but then everyone had their own mix in their headphones all the tones we had were keeper tones and i did kind of just a, a, a reference vocal so uh -huh. the performances we were getting 
it's the whole band playing live with no bleed. That's but cool. with Green Lamps fired up, playing good, and then I could take it home and overdub vocals and overdub acoustics and other stuff. But like, I'm, I'm I like embracing the technology side of yeah. that stuff. If it if it's you know if it's a tool a useful tool, then I'm not yep. scared of it. It's you know like I I and I like to supplement the aux stuff with real amps being mic'd up. But I mean I've gotten some of the best recorded guitar sounds I've ever had with the aux box. You you need to play around with it because it it's got an 1176 compressor and uh eq thing but the the reverb and the delay and are the best most hi-fi reverb and delay i've ever had access to so that like do you know that have you heard that young guitar player chris buck no the welsh kid oh, no oh boy he's frightening uh, there's so many yeah uh, now he does a thing called friday fretworks and he's he's so tasteful uh and he, he's a, an cool. inspirationally spectacular guitar player That's but awesome. i was kept listening to his demos and i was like what is he doing? Why is guitar sound? What? How is he getting that recorded guitar sound? It's all Oxbox. That's cool. Uh, have to check. They're not cheap. They cost about eleven hundred bucks. Um, but man, uh, they do a thing. And like, uh, it also what it is allowing me to do. We were talking about loud amps. You know, yeah. uh, I I can now use some of those big amps from my arsenal again and get them up to the level that I used to be able to play out without the cops showing up. There you go. Really that's cool. awesome yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's cool to hear too because i i mean i'm i'm the same way i'm an old we're, we're old school we love tube amps we love old gear but the technology is coming along and for certain it applications it's it's a no-brainer and i think yeah. i think it's great I, I think it's great that people embrace that you know i i think yeah. you know a lot of older musicians and stuff that are kind of poo-pooing it are coming well, around actually you know i'm hearing that there are joints now in nashville and stuff like if you show up they're like no amps right well yeah yeah there's that i know <laughs> see and that, i think that kind of sucks too because yeah anyway I, but i you know who knows how the paradigm will shift but yeah um yeah. but that's cool i i love that yeah i want to check that out. i have heard that about the oxbox because it's pretty I, I think i was reading I about it yeah the mic placement and all that other stuff yeah yeah and just i mean yeah like i i, I yeah, yeah, I think you'll enjoy. It. I mean, for me, like I just sat there and just, it, just, just re rediscovering some old amps of mine that I hadn't played forever. Like I have a a sixty four basement that used to be my main thing, but it it kind of fallen out of favor because to get where you want to get, it's really yeah. loud. Yeah, and, and it's like I mean, for recording, I, there was no need to have drive pedals anymore because That's you can just awesome. turn the amp up and get the best lead tones you've ever heard. But you know, you're I, I could do it at two in the morning with headphones on. That's but so it's cool. My amp. It's not yeah. like an amp simulation. It's like I know what that amp sounds like, and that's what it sounds like. You know, it's I love that. that. It's been really encouraging. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the inspiration for your latest release, man. Sure. Um, I'll show you what it looks like. Yeah. I just got a box full of them. Uh, dude, that's so cool. I love yeah, it. So dude. you might reckon that album, the album art is actually a close up picture of the top of my 52 Les Paul. I love it's that. all checked up and turning green. That uh, looks awesome. That's the old, the old gold on the back there. That's background. so beautiful. I but, love uh, that. Yeah. You know, so um, this one, I, you know, I, I, I put out a record called the Firebird Sessions in 2022 and it did better than I expected. It uh, stayed on the national Americana charts for over three months and got picked up by a lot of radio stations, you know, across the country. And, yeah. and I, I wanted to get something out quick to kind of, you know, follow up on it. And unfortunately, this one took me a little bit longer just because recording it is easy now. As I mentioned, I've got all the stuff to record it, but it's the putting it out that costs so much money, you know, yeah. hiring a radio person, hiring press people, all the money you need to throw at Spotify and all that kind of stuff. So I did a GoFundMe that people, my, my friends and family delivered for me. And so I've, I finally had a bit of a budget to put into it. And it just came out 
uh, a week ago, Friday on the 16th. That's so awesome. And uh, yeah, man, I'm really pleased. I mean, some of these songs have been around for a while. Like the the first single is going to be a song called City Where Summer Never Ends. And that was actually a, a Stone Honey cast off. I wrote it back when I was living in LA. Um, and it, it, we had done a version of it that wasn't convincing. It wasn't really that band's flavor. But once I started playing it with this band, I was like, oh, that's that's better than I ever imagined it. Because the rhythm awesome. section just chewed on that one. And so, yeah. uh, you know, th but then the next one on is one called, uh, new, a newer one called I Don't Need Your Love that I, I had a friend here in Texas play some steel on. And I thought that one was very kind of Texas country. And um, there's a, a blues tune. I've, I've never really written just like a straight blues tune. There's one called Guilty that's... Uh, that uh, has some great guitar playing on it. And I thought it was kind of, you know, Peter Greenish. Um, nice. Uh, there's another kind of weird one that's from a dream. Actually, this was a Seattle song called Sarah's Too Dumb to Die that had been floating around in the back one. of my head for a long time. And um, again, I just, you know, some of the, it, it is interesting as a writer. Um, and I remember my brother, who was the main writer for Gigolo Mass, talking about this, you know, you, you have a song and you're like, this is the one. And you bring it to the band and for whatever reason, the other guitar player had an argument with his girlfriend that day. The drummer didn't have a good enough cup of coffee and you introduce it and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? And you're like, oh, I really thought that was going to be the song, you know? Yeah. You really, and it's like, there's so much that's just out of your control of like how the song is going to land or with the people. And so not only have I been writing new songs specifically for this band, but I'm like, what does it sound like if I introduce this song from my past that's in my back catalog to these guys? And suddenly it's like, Oh, that's better than I ever imagined it. So it's been fun to, you know, so this, this EP is kind of a mix of old and new. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, and it uh, just came out uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to kind of get some love for it. I'm going to do a big, I did a CD release party here in, in Bastrop for it last week, but I'm going to do a big Austin show at a big new venue called the O4 center on April I think it's April 18th. Nice. But yeah, so that's coming up. Well, I think that's a good idea too to take material that may not have worked with previous bands or in a pre or you may not have even got it to a point where you presented to other people and yeah. put it into this band and just see what happens, you know, yes, because yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so many variables come into play, obviously, right? But yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and the, the one I wish, you know, I wish there's definitely a thing that's like maybe inherent in Austin. Um Austin bands don't seem like they practice. Like Austin is <laughs> like, let's just throw and go, and everybody's good enough, you know. To do it, like, yeah. you know, you just jump up on stage. And I mean, I did. I've been playing some of the guy named Zach Schaefer, and his stuff is really challenging. It's like very like like melodic XTC meets oh, squeeze pop Love stuff, with like every chord. And uh, and same thing. Like I mean, we just like you know a twenty five song set list, no rehearsal. First time we play together in front of people. I was like, holy okay. shit. And it's everybody's good enough to pull it off. But uh, I do kind of miss rehearsing. I'm, yeah. I like to kind of refine things and, and you know, work out the kinks. And uh, yep. uh, but, you know, it's challenging as, as everybody has lives and kids That's and true. dogs and responsibilities. It's, it's harder and harder to get a band together to practice. Yeah. So a lot of times practice is sound check. And it goes like this. Am I? And we go, you know. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it's a give and take. Yeah, I'm the same way. I like to practice shit yeah. before I go yeah. out. Regardless of how confident everybody is, it's like I still, right. yeah, I still want to be confident that I know what the fuck I'm doing or, or can adapt right, right. to this shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, and that that you know that's like you know especially if I'm yeah. the one who's got to stand up there and 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 yep. you know because a lot of the songs I'll write a song but then uh-huh. I've never performed the song. I, yeah, I, you know, I played it as I wrote it, which and is totally I need to different. Figure out how to put the singing with the chords, and it's like you know, I, I, if I'm doing it for the first time on stage, it's not necessarily my putting my best foot forward. But yeah, I'm learning. You know, I've learned a lot in the last couple of years. Um, as I mentioned, I played with this guy named Jimmy Lefebvre and I, I fell into like the folky world and, yeah. uh, I never had anything, you know, but I, I watched part of the craft and part of like the mastery that these guys have is their storytelling, yeah. uh, like the, the way they set up a song and the way they interact with an audience between songs is wildly engaging, you know, and like yep. it's part of their show. Um, and I and I feel like in the last uh, year or two, uh, I spent I did a really successful summer tour last year where I went up through New England and back to my hometown and back to Boston. And oh, that's um, so cool. I really felt like I grew a ring as far as like my comfort level and being able to be like, I'm the guy right now. You're going to listen awesome. to me. I'm going to make it worth your while. Yeah. Like, give me your time and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep you engaged for a whole show. And that's a hard thing, especially with, with phones and distractions, like to kind of keep an audience with you for the whole thing. So that, you know, there's a pace and a tempo and a reason why from start to finish, I'm learning better and better how to be that guy, you know, cause I would never have to be the sole front guy. It's a weird yeah. job. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm finding my comfort in that, which is encouraging. That's so awesome. And it's so cool that you kind of got to have that apprenticeship, as it were, with that musician. Because yeah. exactly, I was, I just, I, I forget where it was, but somebody was talking about that very thing. It's like, you can have talent and that's great, but there's a difference between having talent and going on a stage and commanding that stage and, and working that audience. And it is important. And I, you know, I've, I get, sometimes I've been that guy and I've been shitty at it because I haven't paid attention or, or had the, the luck of being around other musicians that knew how to do that shit, whether it was innate or whether it was learned. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's both, but, but that's so important. And I'm, it's so cool to hear you say that because I think the, I I wish I would have had more opportunities like that to be around or play with older musicians that just knew how to fucking come show up. Yeah. And for for this hour, it's mine. You guys are all mine, yes. you know. Oh, it was uh, not to, you know, expound upon Jimmy, but one of the things that was really profound about playing with him yeah. is uh, there was never any rehearsals. There was never any set list. And he sent, never sent us any music. <laughs> and, and he always, he just surrounded himself with uh, phenomenal Jesus. musicians. And so uh, he would always have a couple, like a bedrock rhythm section who really kind of knew his tunes, but then he would just choose different soloists. So it might be a pianist or a steel player or two guitar players that you never really knew. And then he would, he fronted the band playing acoustic guitar. And he would basically, I learned a couple of lessons quick. If you heard him something play, playing something in sound check, pay attention because that's probably going to be in the set tonight. Okay. But then he would literally just kind of start a song and play the form once. And by the second time through, you had to be ready to contribute. And he didn't tell you the key. He didn't tell you, you know, you just had to, and if it was in G last night, might be in C sharp tomorrow. You just like totally kept you on your toes. Wow. And it just made me, you learn to be a better listener. And he was a very emotive singer. He was a very, he had a real cry. And so really became more about, harnessing the emotion of a song and and continuing and like building on the emotion and it wasn't as much about licks or runs or flash yeah. it was like how do we keep that emotional intensity um and it was really really a, it was a great learning experience and uh he, he was a he's a real character we unfortunately we lost him a couple of years ago oh, um but his legacy looms large 
Yeah. And again, I just think it's so cool that you had the presence of mind or to just soak that in and pay attention. And, and, uh, you know, cause so many times it, it may be too, because, you know, we're older now and we, we, we have, we're, our, our, we're receptive to that information or, you know, when we're younger, maybe it's just more through osmosis, but I think it's so cool that you've kind of taken that in and you're conscious of like, Hey, this, you know, this was, this was an apprenticeship that I learned so much from and I, and I can take and, and apply to my own craft as a solo yeah. artist. And I think that's, so Though, cool. admittedly, I'm not sure that I recognize it in the moment. I see, ah, it, ah. you know, well I, now, I mean, yeah, I mean, regardless of whether you're in the moment, but now you can look back on it and, and harness that experience yeah. in a, in a yeah. positive way. I think that's so cool. You know, it, it's a, um, uh, it is a bit of a challenge these days. My reputation was um, was earned as a, a loud electric guitar player, you know. Yeah. And so that's what people are like. Yeah. Oh yeah, Phil Hurley, the guitar player. Yeah. And uh, so I'm trying to convince people that I'm more than that. I'm also a singer and I'm also a writer. And it's really a. Uh, I've seen it. It's so funny how like if I show up to a gig with an electric guitar, uh-huh. I'm an electric guitar player. <laughs> and if I play a song on electric guitar, like yeah. You're an electric guitar player. Uh, and if I show up and play the same song with an acoustic guitar, like, oh, you're a songwriter. That's like, so funny. Okay. You know, <laughs> our guys, like, you know, people obviously love Jason Isbell and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there are guys, Ryan Adams, who like who are able to play electric guitar and still be considered a songwriter. I think, you know, for me, my earliest influence growing up on the Canadian border, um, when I was 10 years old, I got Live Rust by Neil Young. And That's Neil so Young cool. was an amazing acoustic guitar player, songwriter. Yeah telling yep. you know, like you know sugar mountain and all that and then they yeah. turn over on the side b and it's like dinosaurs walking the earth with you know, <laughs> hey, hey, my, my. And I, was like, I want to do both like yeah you know, i don't see why you have to be this or that you don't but, like, that's who i love the most were, were both you know yeah and I, and I try i aspire to try and be able to live in both worlds yeah and again that's something i really admire about artists who don't succumb to you know whatever they think people expect of them or or just you know if you know, people expect you to be in one lane in terms of genre or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I love artists that say, you know what? Bullshit. I, I, this is what I do. And if I want to have something that's heavy and crazy, I'm going to do that. If I want to do something that's mellow and acoustic, I'm going to do that. And it's yeah. all going to work. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. now, by now, there are so many examples that we can all draw from that where we see yeah. artists do that. And they've charted yeah. their own course and they've done it and they've been great. So, yeah, Neil yeah. Young is definitely yeah. Yeah. one of the yeah. big ones for that. So, yeah, for sure. yeah, I think that's so cool, man. Well, what do you got coming up? Do you are you working on new material for a new release? Or yes, yes. You, you got a tour right, coming know. up. For, for I've, well, I've got it. You know, really, like, I'm already kind of you know, like, like we t- touched on. I've I've mm-hmm. I've been revisiting some stuff that never made it to being shown to a band. Um, I'm trying to write some good new ones to introduce. So there are some rehearsals on the on the horizon. <laughs> uh, I think is what's going to happen because I've got to you know I want to buckle down with those guys and 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 hopefully do some more recording again. That's great. Um, my dance card's pretty full for the next couple of months. Um, and then uh, I'm going to go back. So I've been doing kind of a, an annual summertime pilgrimage to the north because summers get awful hot down here. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're going to escape a little Texas heat, uh, that always is good. And I've, I've got a pretty good circuit where I can go up and play these summertime festivals and stuff and see family and friends and, uh, and you know, enjoy a little, uh, you know, re- respite from the, the 104 degree weather here. Uh, so that'll happen again. And then... Um, the group that I grew up with, Gigolo Ants, um, did some reunion shows last November, and it was so much fun. It was like the original four 
plus the guitar player who took my place, John Skibbick, who's a dear friend. That's and great. It just lit a fire under everybody to like, let's do more. Cause it what there was no apologies. It wasn't like a sad oldies act. We rocked. That's cool. And so uh we're going to Spain again uh in, in September. And we'll uh. do uh, that'll be really fun. We're playing some real cool festivals and some cool club shows and uh that that'll just be a blast. And uh, you know, so that's that's on the horizon. Um I'm 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 again it's kind of fun because like uh, as I'm learning uh like we touched on to be a little more responsible, I'm kind of helping uh-huh. out on being kind of the point man for this. I'm like, oh I'm kind of the tour manager because that's I'm the one awesome. guy who's still, you know, everybody else is still involved in music, but I'm the guy who's still music's my day-to-day and yeah. so they're trusting in me to be the guy getting our passports together and our flights together and that kind of stuff and that'll be a blast that's so cool yeah well it's cool too that in in the context of that band now you you've become you have essentially become their age or maybe a little older now yeah. in terms of responsibility <laughs> yeah. or you I'm know what i mean up, right? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're like is. i'm in charge now bitches well, not quite, but, well, kind uh, but of. a little, little more. Come on now, Phil, give yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Yeah. I want to oh, go to Spain big really time. Fun. I want to Yeah. And you know, and I don't know, I mean, really, uh, the, the Gigolomance broke Spain wide open after I left the band. Really? Uh, but they're beloved. Over that's there. so cool. And, uh, and so I've been able to go in the you know past, you know, 10, 15 years, I've gone back and done shows with them. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. That's and so cool. It, the, I had a guy come to me, uh, you know, an adult man after a show one time. This was just a story, but he had tears in his eyes. Oh, and he man. barely spoke English. And he said, your music, it is the soundtrack of my life. Dude, that's that's yeah, like, what it's all about, know, dude. That's I mean, all seriously. we ever wanted. You know, that's all we ever wanted. You know, it's like yeah. to have one place that cared. Totally. Know? Well, and, that's uh, what you and, want as an artist is to go somewhere where they appreciate what you're doing and they love it. And Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's been I beautiful. love that. It has been beautiful. Yeah. So uh and it's something, you know, I mean, I grew up in that band with my brother. It's something he and I get to share again. And um, yeah, that that's been really uh uh and we're gonna do uh there's you know, there's works, uh there's gonna be some reissue vinyl coming out again. And we found a cool old show from back in the day that we're gonna reissue a live record. And so that's great. you know, I always kept hoping that some young band would grab because we had we had one song. Whether people don't know it or not, was a marginal hit. It was called yeah. "Where I Find My Heaven." It was the yeah. single from the movie Dumb and Dumber, and yeah. uh, especially in England, you know, it cracked the top thirty, and so like cover bands play it, and it's on the jukebox, but people don't necessarily know who it's by, you know. So, um, and I always hoped uh, that some young hot band would have a hit with it again, yeah, because it would be a perfect cover, you know. It's such a upbeat song, and but uh, um, uh, you know, and that we'd have another moment in the sun, and that's never quite happened, but um. But it's it's been really lovely to be able to revisit that band and uh, and and you know it was it was really funny when we 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 only had one rehearsal for these shows that we did oh, and man. we all got together and we're all standing around with guitars but everyone's no one will start like we're, we're just talking <laughs> you know it's like ah, making stupid uh, jokes and it's like eventually we have to play a song here you guys you know <laughs> and so I think I said where if I'm in heaven and we went and we kicked in and it was like and we stopped and we just looked at each other it was like I guess that one's good. And that's it's like, cool it's right there you know it's it's that's that's kind of stuff like you know the the years together and uh you know that uh and, you know writing it together learning it together touring together to have that muscle memory and those and, yeah. and it, it was just a, it's really sweet you know the that's only, so my cool. only regret is that uh we've never as a band we never got to about go back and play in our hometown uh the oh, last man. time we played in potsdam was 1993 
Wow. And so I had set something up for this summer uh, to have us play like a cool outdoor, uh, you know, village green pavilion show. Yeah. Um, and I got a pretty good guarantee and everything was together. It was a Saturday night. And uh, and unfortunately, just schedule wise, those guys oh. can't. Well, Dave, the other guitar player, just can't make it happen. Um, and that, that, but that would have been really, you know, a full circle because I got to do a thing like that last summer i played the same place and uh and i the way i i had a vision in my head of how i wanted the day to go where i started i had a, a trio just playing my music uh-huh. and then we took a, a break and i came back out with an acoustic guitar and my dad always uh my dad's 91 and he's he, he i know he's proud of me but like i had uh this is a little uh, the summer before i had played this beautiful show at an uh-huh. opera house and i thought i crushed it you know it was just me uh-huh. i heard my dad on the next day and they were like oh how was bill's show and that's like, well it was okay. I don't know why he has to play his own songs. Why can't he just play Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain? So I came out in the second set of the show, and I and I was like, this one's from my dad. And I played Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. And I asked him later on, how was it? He was like, that eh, was hard. <laughs> that, in, in his vernacular, that's probably like, you but, killed it. You know what I mean? But yeah. I built that next set by like, so then oh, I had nice. a gal come up and play or sing. We did the uh-huh. two of us for the Beatles in harmony. Oh, and then I so had cool. her stay on stage as a fiddle player. And then I brought two guys who had like had run, run the local music store. who have had the long, longest going band in upstate New York. who had been my mentors. They came up and joined me on a couple songs. And then I had another friend come up and play steel. And by the end we had a nine piece band Damn. and it was awesome. Like we closed it out with harmonies and solos and just, more than you know everybody got their money's worth and it was such a successful night of bringing generations of musicians and different towns of musicians together and it was a it just it, it, it in my mind i had this idea of how it could have worked and it, it surpassed my expectations that's so, awesome um, i'm hoping I'll, you know, I'll be able to try and pull something like that off because you know i haven't lived there since i was 17 years old yeah but i've always tried to stay in touch with the community up there because that's where I was born and raised. And uh, just this last summer when I was up there, I really found some great new players. Like I want to go play with them. You know, that's and, great. And they're youngins. And I, but I want to help, you know, I mean, if I can do anything to kind of help nurture them to that next step, you know, uh, then, you know, that's what folks did for me. That's so great. Yeah. And you've got to, you know, there's no connection anybody has like they do with where they're from, essentially, yeah. initially. And you it's, know, it's almost gone. Like uh, yeah. my, I lost my mom two years ago oh, and I'm my sorry, father man. is now you know, in care. And so like the family home, I, this was a, you know, they, there's been the same phone number at that house that you know my folks lived in for 70 years. Like, oh, they man. just turned off the one phone number. Oh, whole dude. Life. Wow. I know what you mean, though. My, my folks, we, they, my parents passed away. Well, you know probably 10 years ago somewhere around there and we just sold the family house uh like last year and it's weird it's it's a trip yeah Yeah, it's a trip that's part of it i have to do this somewhere yeah clean out the family yeah i know dude it's a trip i drive yeah things happen people get old and we exactly thank you elton john exactly Well, Phil, it's so great to catch up with you, man. And And I'd love to do this again, man. Yeah. Yeah, It's just great to talk to you. And yeah, I I love the new release. I want to, yeah, stay gold. It's it's available on all the, it's on Spotify. Awesome. Pandora. Okay. All the, all the ones I've never even heard of. And what's your web URL for Phil Hurley? Uh, PhilHurleyMusic.com. Awesome. 
And I'll post links of this too on, awesome. yeah. on, on the, my website for the podcast, but Very it's just cool. been so cool to talk to you. I've always liked you well. and you're, you're you, musically you're, you're amazing and I'll keep following you and yeah, maybe we'll do this again and, and just I catch up and yeah, yeah I gotta that'd get be awesome. Back up to Seattle. You do. I will. I would love that if you did. Awesome, man. All right. Thanks man. again, my brother. Thank you, bud. All right.